When a film crew shows up to Roswell, New Mexico to shoot an alien movie, they have no idea they're about to have a close encounter of their own. And then we head out to California to take a look at the story of a young man who decides to sit out on his porch late one night and drink a nice glass of water. But soon this young man will confront a cryptid manufactured in the world of nightmares. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys are staying warm. This is part of Winter Week. A theme. I'm not doing episodes about the winter. I'm recording all these episodes in one day before the power goes out. It's freezing cold in here. I have to shut the heater off. Yada, yada, yada. I've been talking about it all week long. I've been complaining about it all week long. But someone who never gets tired of hearing me complain. Someone who loves it when I just drone on and on. Running into Dead Rapper Radio Command right now. Everyone get on your feet and give it up for... Genevieve, Kara, woohoo, yeah, wee, haha, yeah, come on in, Kara. Genevieve, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the show financially, do what Genevieve did. She does support the show financially, but she also shared her Spotify wrapped on her social media. I always say it, get the word out, tell your friends, tell your family, tell everyone you know. Dead Rabbit Radio is your favorite paranormal show, and that is why Genevieve is being highlighted on today's episode, because she did that. You're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. We're going to try to get, I keep saying, we're going to keep the episode short this week, and then I record an hour and 20 minutes. I don't know how long they are after I edit them, but we've had normal length episodes. Maybe this episode will be a little bit shorter, because I have to shut all the heaters off. There I go, complaining again. Genevieve, let's go ahead and get this party started. I'm going to go ahead and tie you the keys. She's a desert woman she lives out in the wasteland so she's comfortable in this vehicle genevieve i'm gonna toss you the keys to the dead rabbit dune buggy we're leaving behind dead rabbit radio command drive us all the way out to new mexico kick it up dust in the dead rabbit dune buggy genevieve the warrior woman knows how to pilot this guy We're headed back out to Roswell, New Mexico. We were just there yesterday. And we're going to take a look at the story of a young woman. Let's go ahead and call her Clara. She's a filmmaker from Los Angeles. And she's sitting there in L.A., the city of angels. city of every decadent thing you could possibly think of, all crammed into one geographical location. But also the city of angels, the city of dreams. Who doesn't want to make movies? I think it's fascinating. I love the art of movie making. Maybe I'll make one myself one day. Who knows? But anyways, it may just be a dream for me, but for Clara, it's reality. She wants to shoot an alien film. And she goes, what better place to do it than Roswell, New Mexico? It's not that far. We'll go shoot a movie about alien life in the most famous alien location you can actually visit. I'd argue Area 51 is more famous, but good luck getting a camera crew on there. Good luck even getting close to it. It is a top, quote-unquote, top-secret military installation. Uh, No cameras allowed. Clara goes, let's go shoot it in Roswell, New Mexico. So 
She grabs her gear, she gets her crew together, and they all drive on out to Roswell, New Mexico. And when they get there, because it's going to take a while to shoot this film, they have to get hotel rooms. They end up getting rooms at this hotel, which was redacted from the article I read. We'll get to that in a bit, but... They head out to this hotel, and Leia's booked a couple rooms there for her and her crew. And, you know, it's a long drive. What is that, two states away? Something like that. My American geography is not that great. I think it's two states away. But anyways, they get there. It's been a long drive. Okay, guys, let's unload our equipment. Catch a couple Zs for the night. Clara's, good night, guys. Saying good night to her crew. She goes into her bedroom. Ah, yeah, let's just stretch out a bit. Get comfortable. See what's on the old boob tube and maybe catch a Jason Statham movie. That is that is the statistics of the world. No matter where you're at, no matter what time of day it is, there is a Jason Statham movie on cable because he's made like 100 of them at this point. And I'm not complaining. I love Jason Statham. I can't wait to go see The Beekeeper. I'm going to go see that this weekend. Anyways, she's sitting down. She's watching The Mechanic, which is his most underrated movie by far. The Mechanic is so badass. But anyways... She's sitting down. She's watching The Mechanic. I don't know what she's watching. Okay, now it's just my fantasy. Let's just pretend she's watching The Mechanic. She's walking around. You're like, Jason, you can't tell a story like this. And then just go, let's pretend this fact is true. Let's just pretend something that clearly didn't happen happened. Okay, okay, okay. She's probably watching C-SPAN or something dorky. But whatever she's watching, her night's about to get a lot more exciting because she... Gets ready for bed. She throws off the bed sheets, and she sees on the mattress there's a blood stain. Now that would be alarming enough. That would be alarming enough to find a blood stain on your mattress. But this was described as a massive blood stain. Because if it was just a little blood stain, if I was tired enough. I probably, if it's dried, right? If it's not, oh my God, it's all sticky. I'm like, oh no, I ruined my pants. If it was a dried blood stain on a mattress and I was tired enough, I might be able to sleep on it. If it was a massive blood stain, I'm measuring it. I'm like, oh, it's only eight inches by 10 inches. That's, that's kind of small. That's the size of a Billy Ray Cyrus headshot. I could sleep on that. But, I mean, you know, a massive blood stain. It's like a perfect Jason-shaped blood stain. I'm like, ah, you see this massive blood stain, you're not going to be able to sleep on it. You're like, Jason, any blood stain. It's not about the size. It's not about the size. It's just any blood stain. Okay, okay. You want to be able to sleep on any blood stain. Kind of weird. And she ends up going and talking to one of her crew members, and she's like, uh... do you think we can we change rooms? Can we change rooms and 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 don't take off the covers? Just sleep on top of the covers the way God intended it. Remember's like what? She goes, "Hey, this is going to sound really weird, but I have like a huge blood stain on my mattress." And yeah, there's nothing weirder than that. So it says that to you. But the crew member goes, "You know, I was just about to talk to you." Throws back his covers. He has a massive blood stain on his mattress as well. And it turns out that they talked to all of the crew because she got rooms for everybody. Every single bed in their rooms had a massive blood stain. 
Now, listen, I always talk about how I'm not an outdoorsy type of guy. I'm an urban dude. I'm an urban guy. I'll tell you, I've slept in some pretty grungy locations. I could sleep on a dried bloodstain. But probably what I would do in this situation... Well, me being me now, I would go get my money back. But old Jason, I would just flip the mattress. And that's probably what you're thinking too, right? You're, what are they called? Gutter punks? This is the kids I used to hang out with. Gutter punks. You could sleep on a bloody mattress. But you'd flip it over. You didn't realize. I'm all like, we. I'm all making blood angels. I'm making blood angels in the mattress. I'm all, we. You know, you flip the mattress over. I'm not saying that I would want to sleep in blood, just so we're clear. It's not that I would want to sleep in blood. But I could if I had to. But probably the smart thing would be would be to flip the mattress so you're not laying directly on the blood. But what happened was Clara and her crew, when they would flip the mattresses, the blood would be on the box spring as well. So it like soaked through the mattress and now it's on the box spring. And at this point, you're thinking, okay, wait a second. I can understand if there was some, this is going to get gross here for a second. <laughs> like it's not been gross so far. Listen, I know how the world works. You might get a hotel room and there might've been a girl who had her period and she bled all over the bed. That might be my first thing that some girl just had her period and it bled all over the bed. That'd be my first thing. I wouldn't necessarily go to, you're like, Jason, that's super gross. You're like, oh, big deal, whatever. Falling asleep. Oh, the smell of copper always puts me to sleep. Oh, dreaming of wet pennies falling from the sky. I'm not saying that that is a good thing. I'm all looking at Yelp reviews. I was like, what? No, no bloodstained mattresses. You will not get my money, good sir. I'm not saying any of this is good, but I'm saying I could sleep in a bloody bed. I wouldn't necessarily assume that somebody got murdered there or worse, like raped or anything like that. I would assume... My first assumption would be, it's period. <laughs> Which you're like, Jason, that's not any better. Well, it's kind of better because no one got hurt, is what I'm saying. But if it's soaked through the mattress to the box spring, that's not, that's not a natural bleeding. That's not a woman on her period. Then I would start to think, dude, someone got like jacked up here. Someone must have gotten stabbed multiple times. And then flipped over and then stabbed more times and just soaked through the mattress. And you would probably think, okay, one mattress, one murder. But the fact that all the mattresses have all this blood and it's into the box spring as well. And here's the big thing. We're in Roswell, New Mexico. We're the place where the most famous UFO crash of all time happened. Yesterday we covered Roswell about a woman being chased down the road by a possible alien craft. Roswell and aliens go together like peanut butter and jelly. Go together like motels and bloody mattresses. It's just something that you're bound to get. So you start to think, okay, either a bunch of people have been murdered here, which is totally possible, or some sort of satanic cult does this stuff or a bunch of women were cycling and they all had their periods at the same time or aliens. And <laughs> those options are like, Oh, I hope it's the aliens. 
Clara and her crew, they go to the hotel manager. And they're like, hey, I want to bring something to your attention. I'm probably going to get a refund really soon. But what's up with all the bloody mattresses? Like, all of our mattresses have blood on it. And it's soaked through to the box spring. And the manager goes, yeah. Yeah, mattresses, they got blood on them. <laughs> they got blood on them. He didn't read the brochure. It said indoor pool for all rooms. We didn't say what was in the pool. We didn't say where the pool was located. It's in the mattress. And it's not water. It's blood. He goes, yeah. Yeah, the mattresses got blood on them. And so your next question would be, why? Why? Why do you have flooding mattresses? And they ask, well, okay, I'm glad that I'm not going crazy. I'm glad this is a mass hallucination. Why are the mattresses bloody? And according to Clara, the manager didn't give an explanation. He's all, people bleed. People bleed. What am I supposed to do? What am I, some guy in charge of cleanliness? What am I supposed to do? Blood comes out of people. They lay on the mattress. Clara said he would not give an answer as to why the mattresses were bloody. So they left. I mean, right? Listen, you're going to try to get a refund. I think you deserve it. But this is not a place where he's like, tell you what, I'll give you half off. You're like, okay, that sounds fair. That sounds fair. I will lay on the mattress soaked in human blood, presumably. They ended up leaving that hotel. So, this story, let me set this up. This story I found on Phantoms and Monsters, which is an amazing website run by Lon Strickler. There's actually a connection to yesterday's story. Yesterday, we talked about this woman named Rose, who lived in Los Angeles, who was getting texts from her friend Leah, while she was being pursued by presumably alien intelligence near Roswell. In that same narrative, Rose said, my daughter is a filmmaker as well, and let me tell you this story about my daughter. Clara, we made that name up. I wanted to break it into two stories because they're, other than geographically being in the same location, they're so wildly different, but they do have that same connection. Is it because, and this is what you would think, this has something to do with the alien abduction phenomenon. This idea that maybe the aliens were running some experiments on these people in these beds. Or, you know, the government. This is always that big thing. How much of this... It would be super easy... Let, let's assume that the alien phenomenon is real. They're running all these experiments. I wonder how many alien abduction stories are actually humans abducting other humans to run tests on. I, think I don't think it's most of them, but I do think it's a percentage. I guess, you know, kind of the idea that you think of is the aliens are running experiments in this hotel room, it'd be a smorgasbord, right? You'd have all these people, aliens coming down in your room. You'd have all sorts of travelers to experiment on. I do think that more people get abducted than we know. The number one indicator that you've been abducted by aliens is lost time. Unless they leave some sort of implant in you. The number one indicator is you're driving down the road at one and it's a normal drive, and then when you get home, everyone's like, dude, where have you been? It should have been a half-hour trip, but instead you got home at like four in the afternoon and you have no memory. That's usually the number one indicator that you've been abducted. You could abduct people all night long in their sleep. They would never know. And that could be, I mean, a hotel would be great for that. 
just picking people up one by one. That being said, I mean, it could definitely be aliens that are doing this. That being said, you would think that the hotel would get rid of the mattresses. I get it, mattresses are expensive, but still, you'd probably not want to have bloody mattresses. Now, what's interesting is Lon Strickler, he's a long time been a researcher in this field, in the paranormal field. He called up the Chavez County Health Authorities, right? He wanted to know about this hotel. Now, he said, I've redacted the name of the hotel. She named the hotel that this took place in, and he took the name out. And that's fair. I can understand. He said he called up the Chavez County Health Authorities, though, because he knew the name of the hotel, and he said... Hey, I was wondering if you had any complaints. <laughs> I don't know if he introduced himself. He's like, hello, I'm Lon Strickler. I investigate UFOs. Click. Phone gets hung up. But he goes, he asks about complaints of this particular hotel. And as far as the Chavez County Health Authorities know, the only complaint has been bed bugs. So there's not a lot of people calling in saying, hey, you need to check out this hotel. There's blood on the mattresses. However conspiracies, local conspiracies are always the most powerful. Yesterday's episode, we talked about that setup where there are judges that will sentence people to be slave labor at allegedly, allegedly, they are doing this, but whatever, allegedly, I have to say, allegedly slave laborers at uh, for-profit businesses. It's a diversion program. They say you're going to rehab. Instead, you're working at a chicken processing plant. That would be really hard to overcome. Lawyers are looking into it, saying that it's not legal. But, you know, those companies are very powerful. The judges are very powerful. People think the program works. Locally, it's really hard to get past all that because money talks. Same thing here. Like, I'm not saying that there is a conspiracy between the Chavez County Health Authorities and the hotels. But... I mean, if everyone in town is paid off or scared into silence, then you're not going to get any real investigations done. You would, If this story is true, which is always the big thing, the chicken processing plant story, there's like, there's like legal documents and people on the record saying, ah, look at my hand, I got mangled. Those stories are more true, but they are going to be two sides of a story as opposed to this one. We don't know if it's true, but if it is true, someone could be calling in and saying, hey, there's a bunch of bloody mattresses at this hotel, and the health authority says, yeah, we'll look into it, and then someone else three weeks later files the same complaint, and they're like, wow, we've never heard that before, we'll look into it, and then a couple months later, someone calls them the same complaint, what, really? We'll look into it. And they're just covering it up. (laughs) Although I will say that the conspiracy probably wouldn't be necessary. This government cover-up of UFO abduction. If you change the mattresses, that's all you have to do. Change the mattresses or put one of those plastic sheets on them that kids have on their beds when they pee the bed and then tell people, hey, listen, I'm going to give you a discount on the room because there's a plastic sheet on your bed just in case you pee. They're like, what? I don't pee my bed. You look side to side. I'm going to put a plastic sheet on it. Don't remove it. Don't <laughs> make you want to look in it more. But, okay, just buy new mattresses. Just buy new mattresses. If the federal government is covering up alien abductions in a hotel, the least they can do is kick down a 
$300 a mattress. They don't have to be the best mattress. But crazy story. Imagine you stop at a hotel to get a good night's sleep. And you wake up the next morning and you're like, oh man, I don't feel that good. <laughs> I feel like I've lost about two liters. I don't know why I'm judging my weight in liquid measurements. But, mm, that's weird. You look in the mirror, you're all pale. Whoa, did I watch a spooky movie last night? And you walk out of the hotel, start your day. Little do you know that fresh blood has just been sucked out of your body and is now soaking into the mattress. You're all walking down the street. You're all doing a little dance. You pass out, you fall in the bushes. Because two liters of you are slowly soaking into the mattress at this unnamed hotel. You just wanted to catch a little shut-eye. Instead, you became an unwitting participant. And not only an alien experiment, but possibly a government cover-up as well. <laughs> the Chavez County Health authorities are like, how did we get dragged into this? Seriously, we only got bug bed bug complaints. But possibly a local government cover-up as well. Who knows, though? Maybe they only have got bed bug complaints. Although, I will say... So there's probably got a couple complaints on the blood, too. If this story is true, at least one person called up and said, you got to do something about this hotel. Their mattresses are bloody. Chavez County Health Authority goes, what? Really? We've never heard that before. Thank you. And then they hang up the phone. It's a bunch of great aliens sitting in a little office. And they're like, find the who has that number. Follow him home. Make his mattress bloody. Sitting there smoking a little menthol cigarette. That's why Biden's trying to get rid of him. It's Alien's favorite cigarette. Oh, planet Earth. You're like, Jason, how cold is it there? <laughs> is your brain starting to freeze over? It's possible. Oh, planet Earth, you and your rules and regulation complaining about bloody mattresses. On Gleep Glop 7, our mattresses are made of blood. <sighs> That's why we're abducting you all the time. <laughs> we have down pillows, but instead of Feathers its blood. Smoking a cigarette as his brain slowly freezes over. Genevieve, Kara, let's go ahead and touch the keys of the world-famous carpenter copter. We're leaving behind New Mexico. Let's fly all the way out to California. And as we head out there, I keep saying I want to keep these episodes short. I got to tell you about this movie. I just watched the other night. I've been watching a ton of movies lately. It's listed on Crackle, which is a movie streaming service, which has some of the best bad movies you'll ever see. If you ever get a chance, watch The President's Staff. It's a movie on Crackle. It is incomprehensible. It's absolutely genius. It's one of the best bad movies ever. You'll never guess what is going to happen from scene to scene. It's like four people trapped in the Oval Office. Mwah, chef's kiss on that one that's not what i'm recommending although i do recommend that that's not a dead rabbit radio recommends there's a movie called it has two different titles depending on where you watch it the official title is a brand new you it caught my attention on crackle underneath the title how to clone your dead wife it is a movie I, as I was watching it, I, it came out in 2014. I don't want to go on and on, although I could. It is a low-budget movie. It's the most quaint, adorable movie. It is one of those movies that, I, as I'm watching it, I put it in. I started like 1 in the morning. I could not go to sleep until I finished it. This is one of those movies that AI can never make. I know a lot of the big blockbusters are going to start being written by AI, and you're going to have... 
directed by AI, acted by these AI. But movies like A Brand New You slash How to Clone Your Dead Wife, it's so unusual. It's so human. And I think that is one thing that I believe will hold on as AI. It's going to take over Hollywood in the next couple of years. These independent films, you'll never be able to replicate that. And when I'm looking at the writer of this movie was Sean Whitney and the directors were Catherine Paul, Palmatier and Sean Whitney. It's such a bizarre movie. It's such a bizarre concept. It never should have worked. It's about a man whose wife dies. And he wants to clone her. He wants to bring her back. Simple, right? Simple. It's a sci-fi movie that involves zero science fiction. Pretty much takes place in an apartment and the area around the apartment. Low budget. The acting's on point. There's maybe three characters. They all have a complete story arc. You don't know where the movie's going to go. The whole movie... There was maybe one thing I could kind of figure out. Because it's, in a way, a romantic comedy. It's listed as like a sci-fi comedy. So you can kind of figure out, oh, these two characters might get together. But other than that, it's so unconventional. The characters are different levels of unlikable. Yet you're rooting for all of them. It's here's the thing as a sci-fi movie that has zero sci-fi elements in it. That alone is a gem as a character driven movie. It's a gem. It's a totally a diamond in the rough. I put it on at random at one in the morning so I could play Minecraft and have something going on in the background. And instead I ended up just watching how to clone your dead wife. I really recommend it. It is probably the most charming movie that involves cancer and multiple suicide attempts. Multiple suicide attempts throughout the movie. It's really dark in that way. It's very dark. Some of the themes are very, very dark. Very, very interesting. Very well done movie. If you're looking for something different to watch, something memorable, something you'll go, wow, they made this movie for, I don't know, fifty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000, which is nothing nowadays. How to Clone Your Dead Wife slash A Brand New You. Dead Rabbit Radio recommends it. These types of movies will be around, continue to be made long after AI has taken over the box office. And you're, you'll continue to have these voices and just a super original story. We're headed all the way out to California. Specifically, we're headed to Modesto, California. I didn't plan this out. This story also comes from Phantom and Monsters. This Sometimes I... Look at the themes of the stories putting together. Sorry, this is a Phantoms and Monsters heavy episode. I do, but it happens sometimes. We're headed all the way out to California. Specifically, we're headed to Modesto, California. It's late at night. And we're about to meet a young man. Let's go ahead and call him Carl. Carl! God, I love The Walking Dead. I gotta finish that Daryl Dixon show. Carl wakes up one night. To go get some water. And he's pouring himself a glass. And then he hears this. Weird noise outside. And he thinks. That it's a car passing by. An unusual car. Sure. It's not a noise that he had heard before. But he doesn't really think much of it. Then he starts to get this strange urge. 
Carl's standing there sipping on his water, and he goes, you know what? I need to go outside. He grabs a flashlight, but he doesn't plan on going really out in his yard. He just has this urge to go outside with a flashlight. It's kind of an odd detail. He goes outside, and he sits on his porch, and he's just enjoying the night. He's just enjoying the outdoors. He's sitting there in Modesto. He's drinking his water. He's sitting on the porch. He reading a magazine. He's just really just kind of hanging out, right? There's no real need to be out here. However, it was an urge that brought him out here in the first place. He's sitting out there. And, you know, he's figuring I'm up anyways. Might as well just kind of chill. So he's sitting there reading the magazine, drinking water. He's out there for about 20 minutes. When all of a sudden, he hears a noise. He hears a weird noise. Not necessarily the same. It didn't say for sure if it was the same noise he had heard earlier, but whatever it was. He he begins to look around. He turns on his flashlight and begins to shine it in the darkness around him. He can't figure out where this noise came from until he sees it. He doesn't say how large it was. I will assume human size. Generally, if it's smaller than a human, we'll say it was small. And if it's bigger than a human, we'll say it's huge. But it could be somewhere between anywhere, I'm thinking, five to six feet, maybe four to six feet. But he sees it. It is not a human. He said it was skinny. Emaciated, maybe a better word. You could see its ribs. But it also looked bloated at the same time. It stood there. Its skin a burnt orange color. Fleckled with lighter orange specks along its body. Where it should have had arms, instead it simply had nubs. While its legs were long and skinny. The creature had a goiter on its neck. And on its head, there was a big black patch right on the back of its head with a few white dots peppering it here and there. It stood there with an open mouth. A big, wide, open mouth. So big, so wide, in fact, that Carl could see inside of it. Inside the mouth, it was a pale purple color. With no tongue. No saliva. And it seemed to be hollow. Seemed to just be this, while not this mind-bending void into nothingness, something was so off about the mouth. <laughs> the fact that it didn't have a tongue, it was huge, wide, no drool. He said it just had this appearance of being hollow, but you could see the pale purplish musculature, the inside of the mouth. This creature, and the only way to describe it, 
inside of the mouth that had its gums, had the gum line. And coming out of the gum line were these long teeth coming right out of the gums, a multitude of them, in fact. They were long, but they were skinny. They were incredibly skinny. They were too skinny, Carl realizes, to be teeth. And that's when he realized they weren't teeth. Each one of them was one single long strand of hair coming out of the creature's gums. The creature took a few steps towards Coral, and that snapped him out of... I mean, there's a state of panic. They're seeing something you don't understand, and then there's this. This is beyond description. I mean, we can describe it honestly. We just did that. But it doesn't fit anything else we have. Even in the world of the weird, even in the cryptid catalog, what is this thing? Carl is startled when it begins to move towards him, and he jumps up off of the little bench he was sitting on on the patio. And when he did, the creature turned and ran off into the night. According to Carl, he said it was almost as if it was scared of him. If Carl had startled it when he'd stood up so quickly, it took off running. And Carl goes, listen, I know you're going to ask these questions. He goes, I wasn't on drugs. I don't do drugs. I don't drink. He goes, and it wasn't a dream. Because I woke up, I was drinking water, I walked out to the patio, I was sitting on the patio for 20 minutes reading a magazine, he goes, I was wide awake. What was this thing? I got this story from Phantoms and Monsters as well. I try not to cover two of the same source in episode, I didn't even think about that when I selected these two stories. This one came from Phantoms and Monsters as well. Check it out, really check out that website, put it in your bookmarks like I do, I check it every day, multiple times a day, honestly. Because he posts so much. There's nothing like this. You know what's funny? When I first started reading it, and Lon Strickler said this in his narrative as well, when you first started reading it, you're thinking it's a crawler because it's described as being emaciated. You could see it's a ribcage. That's very typical of what we see as crawlers. We've done a lot of episodes on those over the years. I'll put them in the show notes. I've personally seen a crawler. Sorry, I'm yawning. <laughs> Normally, you shouldn't yawn when you're like, oh, I've seen one. Oh, boring. Paranormal activity that I've seen. Lame. No, I'm tired. Is Again, I've done multiple episodes today. I need to eat dinner. But um, the bloatedness. And then we get to the color of it. The burnt orange skin. The nubs for arms. Crawlers are generally humanoid. They have arms and legs. They can walk on all fours or stand up. So what was this thing? And the reason why I wanted to profile it is, one, I need a little bit of your help. Because the teeth being replaced by hair, I've both never heard of that, and I think we've covered something like that before. 
I'm hoping one of you guys remembers that. Now, sometimes that'll happen. I'll come across this story and I'll think I've covered it before. When in the fact is I've read this account a couple weeks ago or whenever it came out and then I'm covering it later and then like it'll make me think I've talked about it before. But I thought we covered something like that before. I wanted to cover it for that to see if you guys remember too. It's gross. It's absolutely disgusting. I hate having, I think this is universal. No one likes having hair in their teeth. Nobody likes getting a loose hair stuck in between their teeth. I mean, I, I have a mustache, right? I have like facial hair. So that'll happen to me. Or when you're kissing someone and their hair gets in your mouth. You got to like pull it back, get a hair tie or whatever. That's never fun. So I imagine that's just like if you have a hair stuck in between your teeth, I imagine it would feel way worse if you didn't have any teeth and instead had hair stuck up into your gum roots. Now you wake up, Jason, you'd have way bigger problems to deal with. You're like, oh, oh, the sensation of that. You'd have way bigger problems to deal with that if you had no teeth and you just had hair coming out of your gums. I just think the physical sensation of that sounds so gross and disturbing. I wanted to share that with you. I wanted to share that nightmarish vision of a mouth gone mad hair coming out of the gums. You're like, Jason, I get it. Please stop saying it. It's gross. It's making me uncomfortable. I wanted to cover it because I wanted to see if we had run into something like this before. We're, what is this? Episode 1210, 1213? We've covered over 2,400 stories. We might have run into something like this before, which would be insane. And I'd want to find that out. We'd connect the stories, maybe. Maybe I've covered this exact same story before. I don't think so. But I want to know if any of you guys have heard of this before, if we've covered it before on the show, too thought it was gross, and I like making people, myself included, feel uncomfortable. And three, the reason why I wanted to cover it was because a lot of times on this show, I just said it uh, about two episodes ago, a Bigfoot story. I said the the cryptids we know about, the Bigfoot encounters we know about are the ones where the survivor lives to tell the tale. I say that all the time, and then there's always that addendum to that. That means that there are probably far more creatures out there that are so dangerous that people do not live to tell the tale. If these creatures are real, and when I say creatures, I mean aliens and Bigfoots and demons and ghosts and everything that we talk about, if this stuff is real, the stories we hear are the stories from the survivors. So there should logically be far more dangerous things out there that nobody survives. Or statistically, the chance of you surviving is so low that if you survive, you may live to tell your tale and maybe the people in your family know about it. Maybe the people in your local community know about it. But outside of that, and especially outside of the internet, no one would know. No one would ever hear about that creature. We very recently in paranormal history been able to have this huge repository that we have today. Things that make this show possible, like the Shadowlands.net, like the National Directory of Haunted Places, like websites, Phantoms and Monsters. 
Think about it, docs.com. These are all websites I use all the time. These are very new. And the thing is, is websites like this shut down all the time. I actually have on my computer personal backups of thinkaboutitdocs.com. It's the biggest UFO database publicly available. Every encounter you can think of and the Shadowlands is, as far as I know, the biggest haunted location website on the internet. Both of them I have personally backed up on my computer because they will go down at some point. So you have to wonder how much knowledge has been lost from books becoming, books going out of print, documenting these one-of-a-kind paranormal encounters, websites that the person developing them passed away or changed their interest and stopped paying their internet hosting bills, or it was on Angel Fire and they sh threw everything out. They shut everything down. You have to wonder about all of the knowledge we've lost. You have to think about all the knowledge we've lost because so many people don't take it seriously. And the people who do take it seriously, their books can go out of print. Their websites can disappear after they pass away. All of that stuff. But then you also have to think about all the people who do not survive these encounters. They don't get to tell their stories. And it would be more likely that it wouldn't be a crawler who was doing this or a Bigfoot or what have you, whatever cryptid you want to look at. It'd more likely be something like this, because as far as I know, we don't have another sighting of this. And we might on the course of the show or you might know one. But then that's two over the course of the past hundred years, let's say we have maybe two accounts of this thing. What is this? I think there's more stuff out there like this that we do not know about. And that's the scary thing. It's what we don't know about the world of the paranormal is what we should be the most afraid of. Bigfoot statistically will not kill you. Aliens statistically will not kill you. They'll abduct you. They'll take out your blood. They'll do all sorts of horrible things to you. But statistically, you don't die. As far as we know, right? People who are killed by Bigfoot, they don't get to tell that story. They just go missing in the woods. People who are killed by aliens, they just go missing. An unmarried woman disappears. The last time she was saw was leaving her work. There's no sign of her at home. And eventually her car is found on the side of the road. She's a missing person. She's a single woman who might have racked up an enemy's list as long as your arm, or maybe she just had one bad relationship. But she goes missing. They're not going to go, it was aliens. You lose your job. I mean, unless there was like a crop circle on the hood of the car. And even then, if she dies in alien captivity, she is officially missing. That's how we would view it. But again, statistically, I mean, that could happen, but statistically, aliens won't kill you. Statistically, Bigfoot won't kill you. Statistically, ghosts don't kill you. That's extremely rare despite movies. Same thing with demons. They very rarely kill humans. They would prefer to just ruin your life. Creatures like this, though, this is the X factor. This is the X factor of the X-Files. Things like this. We have no idea what this is. We don't even have a name for it. We don't know its habitat. We don't know what it eats. Something big, probably, if its mouth's that big. We don't know what it wants. Why was Carl 
given that urge to walk outside in the first place? Why was he given the urge to take his flashlight? Like, was this creature just going to be lurking around his yard and had he not gone out? That's the thing. Had he not gone out that night, had he not woke up to get the glass of water, he would have just walked around his house and been on its way. He never would have known this existed. We would have never known this existed. They always say, what is it, like 3,000 new species are discovered each year. You know, like a new type of spider, a new type of dragonfly. They discovered this new tree lizard or tree alligator in, in, in Mexico, maybe Central America recently. That's all fascinating. That's all fascinating. And then at the same time, we have a set number of cryptids, a set number of paranormal activity. And it's numerous. I'm not going to say it's only seven of them. You know, if you look at every legend, there's a couple hundred. But you wonder about all the cryptids out there that we have not discovered. We don't even know they exist. We have no inkling a thing like this. Now, the thing with the paranormal, this could also be a one-off. You could be looking at a true monster. You could be looking at something that is a singular entity. It is not related to anything else. It doesn't have any sort of life cycle like a Bigfoot might. It doesn't have an origin story like a ghost or a demon. It could truly be a monster. It could be anything. It could be something that escaped from a laboratory and it's just a singular thing. It could be a member of a species. It could have come from another dimension or up from the earth. We don't know. Because of stuff like this. Interdimensional. Crashed alien. Mutant escaped from a lab. Cursed human. Hobgoblin. Demon. Ghost. We don't know. Was it sentient? Was it simply a beast? Did it call Carl out? Did it want Carl to be on the porch? If that's the case, why did it run? Did it expect Carl to be an easy meal? Does it even want to eat people? I love ghosts. I love ghosts more than anything. That's my favorite paranormal activity. I also really, really enjoy demon stories, alien stories, cryptid stories. I love all of it. But this is my favorite. Because if this story is true, it really, really shows how much we don't know. And how dangerous it can be. I know this guy ran away like a little baby. I know he did run away. It didn't eat Carl. And didn't consume a full human in one solid gulp. And the last thing Carl felt before he slid down this creature's gullet. And began to feel himself dissolved slowly by the stomach acid. You're like, Jason, quit talking about people digesting. The last thing he felt before he was swallowed whole by this creature was... Long hairs brushing against his skin because he's sliding into the mouth. It's like like having a giant toothbrush run across your face. Carl screaming for help, and as he does, the hairs are getting stuck in between his teeth. He's like, "No, no, spit him out! Help me! Help me!" And the creature's just swallowing him whole. That didn't happen, right? That didn't happen. But I'm glad it didn't, not just for Carl's sake, but if it did, we would have never gotten a report of this story. There would have just been this weird local news, if it was even covered on the news. It depends on who you are, but people around town would be like, dude, isn't that weird? Carl's gone. Where's Carl at? He wouldn't show up to work the next day. People would wonder where he's at. After two or three days, they'd call the cops. Cops would do a welfare check. He wouldn't be home. The police would find it odd that there was a magazine flashlight with 
battery's dead in it because it had been running for a couple days. And a half drink glass of water sitting on a bench on the patio. No sign of Carl. In a city like Modesto, they could probably figure, best case scenario, he just left. And maybe he's hanging out with a relative or he met some hot girl and they're in Reno having a ball. Worst case scenario is he saw something he wasn't supposed to see, gang activity, and was taken by the gang because he was a witness to their crimes. And the police would write it up as such. Subject still missing. All leads exhausted. It's Modesto. What are you going to do? They would go about their business. And what they wouldn't know is that Carl did indeed see something he wasn't supposed to see. But it wasn't a gangland killing or a drug deal. It was a creature from beyond all reality. Something so bizarre, we don't even have a classification for it. And while Carl's loved ones may wonder what happened to him, the rest of the world would just keep on going. Little do they know that a man-eating creature passing through Modesto grabbed a quick meal and continued on its way. A monster, a true monster, hiding in the outskirts of our civilization. So if you happen to be up late one night and you get a strange urge to go outside and look around, maybe you should fight that urge. Maybe you should quiet that inner voice and head on up to bed. Because that urge may actually be the siren song of a beast looking for a feast. Oh, you're like, Jason, wait a second. This guy didn't eat anything. This guy did not eat anything in the whole course of the story. He didn't even have arms. Yeah, that's my point. You don't know, right? Since you don't know, I can say whatever. Maybe and he, he also owes me $20. The beast looking for a feast eats people. He also owes me $20. Since we don't know... We can just fill in the blanks. But I love stories like this. They're just so bizarre and they show what we don't know. Sometimes can be the scariest stories of all. Because you can make stuff up. You make stuff up. Talk about people dissolving in stomach acid. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Oh, yummy, yummy, yummy. <laughs>